you have your Bibles, open them to Proverbs chapter 16. We are told in the Word of God to ask for wisdom. Proverbs is all about wisdom. It's about having the spirit and, and the insight of God within us, and so we pray for that spirit. We pray very specifically for places where we need wisdom, and we pray generally just to be a person of wisdom and for the Spirit of God to be allowed to teach us and lead us and speak to us. We can learn the rules of wisdom by reading Proverbs. And as we read, uh, as we read Proverbs and look at some of these things, we become more and more engaged and, and sensitive to the wisdom of God. So Proverbs chapter 16, the wise of heart is called discerning. Sweetness of speech increases per- persuasiveness. We talked about this last part of that this week, but I want you to see that it's wisdom of the heart. The wise of heart that there is a spirit of wisdom. We get knowledge, but that knowledge has to be turned to wisdom. Last week, we touched on a few scriptures of wisdom uh, as we're talking about the art of living, and I want to touch on a few more tonight. But wisdom has to do with the spirit and being of our person, that we naturally lean into the things of God and we sense them by the power of God's Spirit, and we're not overcome by a spirit uh, of the flesh. So we, wanna, we, wanna, we want that to impact us and impact our lives. The wise person, it's who they are. It's how they approach life as a whole. It's how they see the world. Now, naturally, when we do that, we'll flow into right actions, and you can absolutely be someone who is walking in wisdom in some areas and walking in foolishness in other areas. And so we want to really seek the Lord to be wise in every area of our life. So the first one I would, I would point out to you, what the Word says about wisdom, is this. And really search your heart on this. Uh, it has to do with how we receive and how we look for counsel. Proverbs 20:18 says, "Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war." So what are the areas where good counsel helps our lives? And, and you can write ones down that really means something to you. One of, one of the places where wise counsel helps our lives is in our personal finances. This is why we have classes like Financial Peace University that we would encourage everybody to go through just to get the counsel of somebody who thinks about this all the time. That's one of the ways you get counsel. One of the ways you get counsel is you go to classes that will help you get wiser and, and know a biblical pathway in things. Of course, another way you get counsel is by seeking out people who are successful in areas to give you counsel. And, and I would challenge you, they need to be biblically successful. Another area might be career. 
Getting good advice and wisdom in the development of your career. Getting wisdom in raising your children. How to deal with your children. How to see your children. How to not have the blinds of love on your eyes, but to be able to look at them clearly and say, okay, I am called to be a right disciplinarian and a right teacher. I can't do that if I excuse their, all their actions that are wrong away. I've got to bring discipline into their life. How do I do that wisely? How do I raise them to love God? How do I do it? And I want to surround myself with people who've done that. Uh, we need, one of the areas where we, we may need counsel is in our marriage. Uh, people come into these marriages are very different. How do you learn to argue the right way? Were your, were your parents good arguers? And I don't mean good and loud and good and screaming and arguing all the time. I mean, do they know how to do it wisely with wisdom, how to disagree wisely and work their way to a righteous end? And if you don't know how to do that, there's ways to that, but both of you in that marriage may need to get counsel say, how do we take our places of disagreement and begin to work through them? Our friendships, how we conduct our friendships sometimes needs wisdom. Sometimes friendships are bad. You know, I've had to look at a lot of teenagers over the years and occasionally at a few adults and say, you two are bad for each other. You two are not good for you. Apart, you're better than when you're together. And so I'm encouraging you to get apart because this friendship's no good. Now, that can be, uh, you know, a tough conversation. But sometimes we need to look at our friendships and say, what are they doing to me? How are they influencing me? What's going on in, in the middle of this? I remember in the Oasis, many times I'd ha- I'd ha- I had some kids say to me, you know, I, I just never sit, feel the presence of God. And I said, well, you're not going to. They'd say, well, why am I not going to? Because you sit back there with your four buddies, and all through the service, you're poking each other and joking around and, and talking to each other. You're not paying attention. Let me tell you what you do. Come up here and sit next to this guy right over here. Don't sit with your buddies because this guy's going to worship. He's not going to talk to you. He's going to seek God. Come sit next to him. And it won't be long until you'll be sensing the presence of God in your life. Why? Does it mean all those guys were evil? No, they're just buddies that aren't disciplined together. And sometimes you've got to break that up for a while and get in a place where you can, where you can grow. Uh, we need counsel and spiritual growth. This is what small groups are really good for. It's what pastors should be able to help us do in our life. It's what godly friends should help us do in our life. It, it should help us say, we should have these people in our life that we are looking at them and saying, if you see spiritual weakness in me, I want to hear it. I want to know what it is. And I promise you, I won't get mad when you tell me. And when they tell you, guess what? You can't get mad. 
You've got to be thankful. The wise person is looking for good counsel. And so when that wise person looks at you and says, you know what, I've been watching you and the way you talk to your wife, man, that's just not good. You better listen to that. Or the way you're talking to your husband isn't, isn't healthy. You need to listen. We need people who help us in spiritual decisions and spiritual growth. We also want people in our life who help us in big decisions. We're about to make a big decision. One of our young men came to me uh, Sunday, and, and he was going for hopefully a job opportunity, and, and, and he looked at me and said, will you pray for me that I'll get this job? And I said, no, I won't. I'll pray for you for God's will to happen in that job. Now look, you're looking at this job and you're thinking it's a financial answer, you're thinking it's a great answer for your family, and it may be a terrible answer for your family. So what we're going to pray for is what Jesus taught us to pray for, for God's will to happen in this thing. And that way, if you hear a no, that's okay. God said no. If you hear a yes, then you walk into it, and whatever struggles you have in the future, you'll know God put you there and you can handle them. Don't try to make your will God's will. Submit your will to God's will and find people around you. So you can think of other areas of your life where you may need the wisdom of God. And getting good counsel is what wise people do. Now, it's wise counsel. Again, these are people with a proven spiritual track record. I want to go to people who've had victory in that area. And we also get counsel from where? We get it from the Word, and we get it from the Holy Spirit. This is how this works. You're, uh, uh, you're wanting to uh, have better relationships, and so you're praying, God, help me in my relationships. And the Lord speaks to you and says to you, uh, you know, you've got to learn to talk better. And you don't know what that means. You're like, what does that mean? Well, what you do in that is you go to the Bible. You go and say, I'm going to look up everything, especially in Proverbs, that it says about the mouth. What it says about my speech. And I'm going to see what it says. I'm going to look for others in my life who will talk to me about that because of the Holy... And so you go to your friends. You say, hey, you know what? The Spirit of God just kind of has been speaking to me. I've been praying about my relationships. And... Um, and, and the Spirit of the Lord's kind of talked to me about the way I talk. Do you have any insight to that? Do you have any insight to it? And you allow counsel to come in your life. See, wisdom should be a high goal for us. And here's one of the ways we find it is we find it through good counsel. Number two, we are wise when we're growing. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 10, 8. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Proverbs 21.11. When a scoffer is punished, the simple become wise. Remember, the simple are people who don't have a lot of experience. And when the scoffer, the person who mouths off and does something, when they get punished, 
the, the, the simple go, oh, the simple aren't evil, they're just inexperienced. When a wise person is instructed, he gains knowledge. The wise person is not defensive. If somebody comes to your life and they, you know, begin to talk to you about something you need to learn or they think you need to learn, you know what the right answer is? Thank you. That's the right answer. Now, you, you still go pray about it. It doesn't mean you're submitted to them. It means you, you listen and you go pray about it. And you listen to what they say. I, I've, I've told you the story before. I was, when I was senior associate, my dad would send me on all kinds of missions before and after church. I'd have things I had to do. And I was always running around doing stuff. And I'm, I'm walking out of the service one day, and there's this, there this guy there. And, and, and frankly, I had not witnessed a lot of wisdom in his life, so I didn't have a great deal of openness to hear his words. And he said uh, uh, something to the effect of, uh, boy, you're just too busy for people and, you know, you, you just don't really care that much. And, and he said some things that I didn't feel like at all. I didn't feel the way he was describing me, but he was accusing me of being that way. And it really it kind of ticked me off. And I walked down to my mom, my dad's office, and I walked into their office. My mom and dad were standing there, and I said, you know, so-and-so talked to me, and you know what he said to me? And I said, da-da-da, I told him what he said. And they looked at me, and they said, well, that's the way you act. And I was stunned. I, I didn't feel that way. It wasn't the way I wanted to come across at all. But I needed somebody to tell me that's the way I was coming across. And, and his, his voice to me, even though I wasn't really interested in hearing his voice, set me up to hear the right voice. So that the answer is not to be defensive. The answer is to... to, to so what I, I'll tell you what I learned from that. I learned when, when people tell me something, even if I don't agree with them, to go to other people and say, what do you think about this? Do you agree with that? Do you agree with what they said? And if, and if people who are wise around me look at me and go, oh, man, that guy, they're all wet. That's not the way you come across at all. That's one thing. But if they look and they say, well, you know, maybe you need to hear that. The wise person gets instruction. He's not defensive. He is open to instruction in life. Now, this plays off in a lot of areas. This plays off at work and at church. Uh, and, and I would tell you, if you're on the other side of that, a good instructor ex explains why they're saying it. A weaker one just explains the process. But hear me, as we think about growing in instruction, not only in our personal life, but in our relational life, every organization has rules. Are you with me? Does your home have rules? You know, now... There needs to be unity in the rules with mom and dad. The home has rules. Church ministries have rules. The workplace has rules. Government has rules. Social groups have rules. The wise person follows the rules.
and it brings peace into the city. So let me just talk about church. So you're in a ministry, and the rule is, the expectation is, hey, you dress this way and you show up at this time. What does the wise person do? They receive instruction. They, they understand that the person who's putting all that together has a bigger picture of, of everything and knows what they want to do, so they dress that way and they show up on time. Because the wise person follows the rules, whether that's dress code or safety issues or in, in small groups teaching material or follow-up. If the rules, un- this is what I tell me, people say, I don't like that rule, so I just don't do it. I say, that's not, the right, that's not the wise person's answer. If the rule isn't good, then you go to leadership and you get it changed. Otherwise, you keep the rule. You don't just arbitrarily make decisions. That causes turmoil within any group, whether that's a home you know, if your children just say, mom and dad's rules are stupid, I'm not going to pay attention to them, does that bring peace or trouble? Trouble. Should bring trouble. You know, at work, if, you, if there's a rule at work and an expectation at work and you just say, I don't like that rule, I'm just going to do it my way, what's going to happen? Trouble's coming. Problems are coming. It becomes more difficult. So if the rule needs to be changed, you change it. I'll tell you, there's certain driving rules that I don't like. I would like to be able to drive just as fast as I want to. But I know it's wise to follow the rules, not only because I might get in trouble, but because those rules are in place for the safety of people. And so you're wise enough to follow the rules. And so if you're not following the rules and a policeman pulls you over and gives you a ticket because you broke the rules, don't look up in heaven and say, God, why'd you let this terrible thing happen to me? He didn't do it. You did it. You broke the rules. You didn't keep it. Wise people are rule keepers. They recognize a spirit of rebellion, that we naturally have spirits of rebellion, And they suppress those by the power of the Spirit of God, and they become rule keepers. They don't get frustrated even when others don't obey the rules. They know others aren't their problem. They are not legalistic when others break the rules. They're gracious if they're not in charge. Now, if they're in charge, they've they've got to enforce the rule. But they themselves try to follow the rules. Number three, uh, savings. Proverbs 21.20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man, listen, devours it. This is an instruction about our resources. It's an instruction that we look at what we have and we budget our resources. We set amounts aside for the future. If you've never done that or you're not doing that, again, you start with some small amount and you set a plan as I get increases in pay or as things happen. I'm going to set things aside for the future. 
But the wise man doesn't devour all he has. The wise family, the wise people begin to discipline it. They don't make mistakes about what is a desire and what is a necessity. Let me give you a couple. It is absolutely not a necessity for your 12-year-old or 13-year-old or 14-year-old to have a cell phone. It's just not a necessity. Now, maybe you want to do that and you've got the resources to do it and you can control it and you can watch what they're, what they're getting onto on the internet and you're paying attention. You're not just throwing it at them and letting them go. But if you're not able to set money aside... If you're not able to save for the future and you're getting, you know, your kids' cell phones, it's just not a necessity. If, if, you're, if you're not setting some money aside, but you've got the biggest cable package that can be bought, it's just not wisdom. Wisdom defines what's a necessity. You know what a necessity is? I've got to pay the mortgage or the rent every week, every month. I've got to put food on the table every, every month. I've got to make sure these kids are clothed. And if I don't have more to do with that, then I, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to set some money aside. I'm going to plan for a future. And we're going to work together. And when a husband and wife come together on those goals and they understand them, then they can work together to achieve them and there can be unity. The kids may not get it. The kids may not get it. Here's, here's one of the things I, I, my dad taught me and I spoke to my kids. Uh, my, dad, my dad would put it this way. I'd say, well, so-and-so gets to do it. He'd say, well, go over and see if his parents will do it for you too. <laughs> I, I'm your dad. I'm not doing that. I'm in control. I'm not doing that. You, you got me? We're not going to do that. And, and he made it very clear. I told my kids, it's like some of you have told them, listen, their rules are their rules. My rules are my rules. God gave you to me, not to them. And so it, it's, okay. it's okay if they go to bed crying. It's okay. If they want to throw a little fit, then you know, when my kids would throw a fit, I'd just say, well, if you keep that up, I'm taking your TV out of your room. Or if you take, keep that up, I'm taking this. You know, if, if you can't handle me saying no, then we're just going to start saying no about a lot of things. I remember when Tina was living in our house, she got in trouble once. I grounded her for a week. By the time we were done, she was grounded for five weeks. Because uh, she'd, she'd do something and say something. I'd say, oh, yeah, we're going to tag another week on there. And it went on a little bit far. I'm going to tag another week on there. Because uh, you're, trying, you're trying to teach them some discipline. And, and I tried to follow the same rules my dad did. I'll tell you what, if my dad looked at me and said, if you do that, uh, your car is going to sit in the driveway for a month. It wasn't a February month. It, wa- it was a 31-day month. And it didn't, you didn't get you know, a reprieve the fourth week in the middle of it. You lived out the deal. You, what he, want, he wanted me to understand. What I say, I mean, and that's the truth. You know, you've heard me talk about when I was about 12, 13, uh, we, were, we were going, going to go that summer to, to uh, Yellowstone. And I got 
I got in trouble with him. He got really, I mean, I smarted off to him, and he told me to stop, and I didn't stop. And finally he said, that's it. You're not going to Yellowstone. I'm 62 years old. I still haven't been to Yellowstone. His discipline is powerful. It's powerful. Number four, understanding. Proverbs 21, 22. A wise man scales the city and the mighty, of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Now, do you think the Lord wants us to know how to take down fortified cities? Is that what he's talking about? No, he's not talking about it. It's an illustration. Two types of strongholds you're going to face in life. You're going to face the strongholds of the wisdom of men. Clever men and their arguments. You're going to hear them. They may be in your workplace. They may be on television. They may be in your family. They're clever people who've taken time to study an issue that they support and in their wisdom, if you're not careful, they can overcome your arguments. They're clever. But the wise person learns what they're facing. He begins to understand it. And he studies what the Word says. And he studies what other people that are Christians say. And he puts himself in wisdom to be able to answer the questions in the places where he walks. And he destroys the strongholds of those who are arguing against the truth. The second stronghold is the strongholds of the enemy. This is places, again, where the enemy's vision is happening instead of God's will happening. And the wise person learns the rules of the kingdom of God, and I come back to this again, the rules of the kingdom of God is we destroy strongholds through prayer. Before you can take the ground of that stronghold, you've got to win the ground in prayer. You've got to pray your way through it, have victory and have the wisdom of God for you to have victory in it. Number five, awareness. Proverbs 22, 3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Listen, the simple, the inexperienced go on and suffer for it. So where, where does this happen? Oh, this happens a lot of times in how we're raising our families or how we're conducting our relationships. So the prudent person sees. You know what? If we make this decision... It's going to make us unfaithful to the house of God. And if we're unfaithful to the house of God, our children are going to see that the house of God isn't important. I'm not going to do that. I see the danger. The priorities we set for our children. The people of influence that we allow into our children's lives. The dangers of the teaching of society. If we were being attacked physically in America today, the way we are being spiritually attacked in America today, our prayer services would be filled. We'd probably be praying every night. 
We need to see the danger. Listen, I was talking uh, uh, with, with some of our folks the other, the other day, and uh, Julie and, and Kaylee, and, uh, you know, they've, they've gone to work for First Steps. And, and they, were, they were telling me the other day that there are, you know, that, that one of the things they go, they go out into churches and tell them what they're, they're doing. And one of the things they told me is, you know, they say, we go into a lot of churches where they tell us we can't use the word abortion. Now, I know women in our church have come talk to me who've had abortions. We want to be merciful. A lot of things have happened in people's lives, a lot of things we didn't understand. Usually when they're talking to me, it's with great pain. And there are ministries and things for you if that's been a case in your life and you've made, a, made that decision and you want some healing from it. There are things we can, we always want to be merciful and loving. But friends, the two biggest spiritual battles, moral battles that the church faces today are, are the issues of life and the issues of sexuality. And if the church is publicly silent on those things, even if they have underlying statements of this is what we believe, but they won't proclaim it from their pulpit, they are setting us up for a generation 20 years from now who won't understand the moral truths that we need to stand upon. Preaching brings conviction. Teaching brings knowledge. And if we refuse to do that because somebody might be offended, we are not doing what the Bible tells us to do. Who would have thought, some of you have been around for a while, who would have thought 30, 40 years ago that the Catholic Church would have a stronger public moral stance on the biggest moral issues of our day than the Protestant church would be willing to take. I would have never dreamed it. But that's exactly where we are. And I would tell you, if you ever move, some of you, if you ever move from Springfield, you need, one of the things you need to look at is, will they talk about these things publicly? And if they won't, you need to find a church that will. We need to see the dangers, what, what's influencing our kids, what's influencing us, what's moving us, what's going on in our nation, and we need to hide ourselves from them and walk in the strength of God. Six, fairness. Uh, Proverbs seventeen fifteen. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. We justify wicked things. We need to make the right call. We need to make the right call, again, with our children. Listen, our children aren't perfect. We need to make the right call with politics. We need to make the right call with the things that we believe. And we need to look at it and say, what's, what's the right moral call? Listen, and, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, we can look at leaders who are not perfect and understand they're not perfect but we need to look at the big moral issues of the day and understand what's important Proverbs 25 26 like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain 
is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. When the wicked push us to agree, when they call us to bow before their idols, when they call us to celebrate their sin, and we give way, God says it's like an, it's an abomination to the Lord. Now here's some promises. Quick promises. Proverbs 24, 19. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. People who choose the pathway of wickedness can seem to abound at times. But this is one of the common themes that you find in the Psalms. It's one of the common themes you find in Proverbs. He says, don't be envious of them while they're in their moment of success because their moment of judgment is coming. David put it this way. He goes, I almost gave way until I saw their final end. Proverbs 13. Disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. If you do the right thing, maybe painful at the time, but the day of reward is coming. Proverbs 12, 3. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Proverbs 21, 12. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. Who? The righteous one, capital R, capital O, meaning God. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down to ruin. Maybe not in the instant you think it's going to come, but it's coming. Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. I would encourage you, as we go through this series and you're reading Proverbs, uh, to look for the words that talk about the righteous and talk about the wicked. Most of those writings, some of them are, but most of those writings in Proverbs are not instructions on how to be righteous. Most of that comes from the wisdom instruction. Most of what you read about the righteous and the wicked are are God's promises to both of them and what's going to happen in their life. And to understand that, to understand that, boy, right now I may be in a struggle because I'm doing the right thing, but God has promised me certain things if I do the right thing. I love the story of the three Hebrew children who chose to stand before the idol that was built. And the day comes when they're turned in and the the king is really ticked off. He gives them one more chance to bow and they refuse to do it. And he tells them, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they look at him and they say to him, "Uh, you can do that. You can do that. And our God is able to save us. 
But even if he doesn't save us, here, we're saved. We're saved. And they get thrown into that fiery furnace, and God saves them. I mean, think about the power of God to tell the fire you cannot touch them. And the king looks in with amazement because he doesn't see three, he sees four. He says, one like the son of man. And he calls them to come out. And the Bible says they come out. And I love this statement. It says, not even the smell of smoke was upon them. What's God say? If we walk in this righteousness of his kingdom, then the impact of all the attacks that come upon us, if we stay faithful, we may face the fiery furnace. We may have to say, no matter what happens here, I'm going to trust God. But at the end of the day, the effects of what the enemy wants to do is not going to be upon us. The reward of God's going to be upon us. Amen? Pursue wisdom. Let's stand together. Father, I hope tonight that you, uh, you speak to us about areas of our life. And Father, embed truth within us. Let us have the spirit of wisdom about us. And then Lord, at t- tonight as we've looked at it, if there's some place where we're not walking in that wisdom, let us hear it tonight. Let families come to unity. Let single parents come to understanding. Let all of us come to this place of understanding how to walk in your wisdom and how to be blessed. Remind us of your promises. Keep us in your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord. I hope this was helpful tonight.